Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down the fourth episode of the second season of Yellow Jackets, an episode called Old Wounds. I do really think that this show is about these kind of mirrors of the original trauma and how these women are dealing with them in the future. Although they're a little light on Shauna this week. We'll, we'll get into it when we break down the whole episode. Before we do all of that, just a reminder that we are also covering Succession, Big things happened last week. We got a lot of downloads, by the way, Sona, on that episode. And I'm sure there'll be another very exciting episode in two days. So definitely check that out. We will be covering it here on the podcast. And also Barry, two episodes of Barry premiere this week. And I will be recapping that as well. If you're watching any of those shows along with Yellow Jackets, please do subscribe so you know when those episodes become available. And also, I don't oftentimes mention this enough. Please do give us some feedback. The easiest way to reach us is needs some introduction at gmail.com. Send us an email. We don't really go into the whole speculation of theories. I'll bring them up here on the show every once in a while. If I think that it makes the story more interesting, if that theory turns out to be true, or if I find it especially funny when people are speculating about something that I find or even joking about it, then I'll bring it into the show. But in general, there's some really crazy theories out there that for example, people think that large parts of the cast <laughs> don't actually exist. It's all M- Misty's <laughs> imaginary friends. Oh my goodness. I hadn't heard that. I would hate if that would be the case that a lot of those girls we see at the cabin in the past are all in her head. Those are the type of theories I really don't go into. Maybe they turn out to be true later on. However, that's all to say that if you have a favorite pet theory that we have not brought onto the show, please do share it with us because I am curious to get user feedback, especially on this show, which is so much about your interpretation or speculation about what's to come. And once again, that's need some introduction at gmail.com. All right. With all that out of the way, I had one bit of housekeeping. I know a couple of episodes ago, I had a whole preamble about theories and memes and things like that. Didn't really find that many. Even the last week's episode was pretty meaty, no pun intended. Uh-huh. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't really find anything, but I did want to bring up something that I got wrong, which was In my recap last week, I said that Lottie, when she has that blood vision, hears someone say the vision of blood. I misunderstood the French. It's something even more ominous. It was, he wants blood. Uh. By the way, my French is not great. But in my defense, this is the sight of blood or the vision of blood. La vue du sang. And and this is, he wants blood. Il veut du sang. Il veut du sang. I say. They're very, very similar. <laughs> very similar. Um, you know, you're the one that took French in high school and not me. So <laughs> yes. I was completely handicapped either way. When I watched the show, I actually went back and tried to see if there was any subtitles. There was no subtitles when I watched it, but apparently many people on the internet have like screen grabs with the subtitles. So I guess it was just the version of the stream I was watching or maybe mm. because I was watching it on the app. And it is explicitly, he wants blood, which is a much more ominous version of that vision for sure. Yes. All right. So that's the only housekeeping I had. Did you have anything from the past week? This isn't what you asked me whatsoever, but I really like this week's episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it was kind of a, a shift in what the season has been so far. And I personally really enjoyed it. Yeah. And like I kind of teased at the very beginning of this idea of old wounds, I like the fact that maybe for the first time this season, something I've complained about, there's a lot of plot happening, but I felt more disconnected from the show, that here's an episode of the show where it becomes about something, right? It's about these women who have these old wounds, have this trauma that they're trying to suppress in different ways, and how the more they suppress it, the more it 
consumes them in a way because you can map that metaphor onto any kind of trauma you've you know it's not only about cannibalism <laughs> it could just be about so some true. difficult friendships you had in the past or relationships that ended or you can, there's many ways to read that and i think the show took a breath yeah i think this is maybe the first episode where i felt like it wasn't leading up to or right. about some sort of shock value and was really just about the relationships more I completely agree that it's not really leading up to any kind of shock twist. However, I do think that they, in this specific episode, are setting up dominoes or- Yes, I agree. Plot points that are going to pay off for the rest of the season. All right, so let's kick it off. Thaisa, in the past, is awoken by Van. She's been sleepwalking again, and Van's been heading out with her. Apparently, this has become a ritual with them. And she has found another one of these markings. She shows her later in the episode that those markings can be overlaid on the map that Ben had been creating with Natalie and some of the other girls when they would head out on their excursions, which we've seen in the credits, by the way. So multiple times in this episode, we saw those some of those things that are like, I wonder what that means in the credits. They're suddenly We're suddenly seeing a lot of them, mm. so starting to show what some of those things might mean. And she mentions to Thaisa also, who's much more skeptical about this whole trusting in her visions, saying that... You found all these markings, and theoretically, if this is truly a map of that symbol, like a larger version of it, we would expect to find one more in this particular location. Will you head out with me and investigate? And they do indeed head out. This is the same deal, though, as with Travis hanging himself with the candles, where right. it's like a really weird version of connect the dots, right? Where <laughs> right. You could really the dots have no there. numbers. So right. you can connect them in any order. And in some orders, it's just going to be a zigzag. I get Thaisa's skepticism. Well, sure, if you choose to draw it that way, it's going to make that symbol. But there are infinite other ways that you could draw those connect the dots. Especially since the symbols are all on the out outer edge of that pattern. So theoretically, like with the candles, let's say, you could just imagine this is like a badly formed semicircle. Exactly. <laughs> Also, in the past, we discover that the girls have indeed been eating startling soup. So mm-hmm. they are eating these birds after all. They took the risk. They did not get sick, of course. It seemed weird to me that they were like sick of it. You think you'd just be appreciative to have the food at this point, given what has already happened. <laughs> right. Okay. And then they just eat a bear for like a month. Like, isn't this is a variation yeah. from that? Maybe they're just like, they had the taste of human flesh and they're like, I want more of that. <laughs> Maybe. That's what they're really saying. And someone has taken some of the bear meat. Now, in the moment, I thought someone must be messing with them at this point. I kind of introduced that topic that potentially someone has been, you know, in the middle yes. of the night, moving things around, releasing Thaisa, <laughs> pooping in public, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> they've been messing with the girls. And once again, the missing meat made me wonder if that was the case. But then later I thought, was it maybe Javi that's been coming and getting food? Oh, I wish it was. Um, and I hope it is because that is a nice logical explanation that is not supernatural. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be supernatural as far as that goes. You think it's would... some other real person? It could be another person. I'm going to say so I we... think it's Javi. We see Misty and Crystal love musicals. They're singing musicals. That pays off multiple times in this episode, by the way. Ben's alive seems pretty healthy. I thought it was like at his death's door at the end of the episode. I thought so too. Maybe he's been eating some of that bear meat. They, they do accuse yeah, him of Yeah, maybe. And he says, but he makes a good defense saying like, hey, you've noticed I really can't get around out there very well on one leg. Right. 
And then we see this kind of interesting dichotomy, which I, for some reason, had never thought about this, that there could be some kind of internal power struggle. Maybe that's how these girls end up getting eaten off. That moment where there starts to be this, going back to the loss analogy, that episode, Man of Science, Man of Faith, where you have this argument saying, well, should we put all our eggs in the lottie basket or should we try to save ourselves? And this becomes a really interesting moment here because as usually is the case with people who have these followings, their followers are usually way more dependent and way more um, reliant on their belief system than the actual center of the cult is because Lottie seems extremely uncomfortable. While mm-hmm. you see Mari's basically saying she doesn't need weapons. Mm-hmm. Hey, she doesn't mm-hmm. even need a jacket. <laughs> well, I'm kidding about that one. <laughs> like, they're ready to just like throw it to the wolves and say, she's going to come back with food in hand. But there is this competition, I should say, between Natalie and Lottie to see who comes back with the most food. And I was just curious to see this division of allegiances. You have Shauna, Ben, and Natalie, as well as Thaisa, who ironically may actually have supernatural powers on the mm-hmm. side of rationale and, and logic. And then you have Mari, Akila, Misty, and Van, ones who are believers in Lottie. And I find it interesting that Travis didn't basically speak up because he has dual alliances, right? He does mm-hmm. kind of believe in Lottie, but obviously he's still involved with Nat, although it's questionable how long that's going to last. Just want to go back to the Ben sure. thing for one second. He might seem so much better because he's actually been eating Starling. Oh, good saying. point. Everybody's right. been eating the Starling. Good point. Because there he you. was the one that refused to partake before and everyone right. we know was starving. So maybe that rush of protein has brought some life back to him. So I just didn't want to forget to suggest that maybe that is the miraculous recovery of Ben. But yes, it does seem like there is a division forming. And I did really feel bad for Natalie, who we know has been trying harder than anyone, I think, to go out and hunt and find sustenance and hasn't been having any luck. I find that so frustrating too, watching that, because I've been in that situation before, not not in the wild, but you know, <laughs> working at an organization where you have people who are not doing anything for the project at all, are the ones who are the biggest loudmouths. And then you feel like you are taking on all the onus of everything on your back, getting absolutely no appreciation for it. So I think it, you know, mm-hmm. I really felt for Natalie there, who's like, I'm the one who goes out there every day. Right. And they're, of course, sitting back with their feet up and singing shows mm-hmm. tunes all day. Why aren't you getting more food? Yes. <laughs> well, well, you have to do it. You're the best one at shooting. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. okay. So because I'm capable, I have to do all the work. Thank you very much. While they're on these separate treks trying to locate food, this was giving me empathy for Lottie, by the way. First of all, she seems terrified by the prospect of being out there on her own. Mari's like a true diehard. She's like, she doesn't need weapons, mm-hmm. but she's fine. <laughs> she, you know, she'll just, you know, will it out of the sky. She tries to like be the spiritual leader that everybody thinks she is. And she tries to like touch this tree. And then she just gets frustrated because it's like, this isn't working. None of this is working. <laughs> But then she finds some kind of um, ritual altar, maybe that altar where they placed the bear's heart last year, cuts herself to see if maybe a blood sacrifice of some kind. He wants blood, after all, that uh, it would activate things. The girls seem to think that that's what it is. They were hinting at it earlier. The blood on the symbol was what Uh brought the birds to them. So now she's trying that too, seeing if anything happens. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she finds this plane and once again, this was a fake out. I thought that in one of the coming attractions, they had shown another plane. I'm like, oh, what? maybe this is how they escape. Nope. It turns out that plane wasn't even a real plane. It's just Lottie remembering 
the plane from season one. Yeah, let's remember, by the way, that Lottie yeah. has been off her medication for a very long time. Exactly. At this point, exactly. <laughs> I'll just very chime true. in to say, yes, but go very ahead. True. Yeah, so there are a bunch of fake outs here. We saw the plane, which was actually the plane from season one. This is just a vision. The bear is there. Obviously, we know that that's not possible. Then she opens this like safety vest hatch in the back of the plane, which actually is a hatch that leads down to this long staircase. Another fake out from last week's coming attractions. And then she's like in an elevator. She's in the mall and she sees all the girls. To your point, Sona, maybe she's off her meds and this is all due to that. Or maybe she's just <laughs> freezing to death <laughs> and having some kind of uh, yet another yes, one of these sure. death dreams <laughs> that we've seen many times on the show. Also possible for sure. I personally think that this is a vision she's having because we'll find later more about those spots we've seen on the ground where the grass seems to be melted, which makes me pretty sure that there's something underground. And that's how Avi has survived all this time as well. And I think someone will be going down an actual staircase down to some lower area. So I think she's seeing a preview of things like there are clues in her vision. Broader than this scene. Is it schizophrenia that she had? Do you remember? I think that's what they diagnosed her with. I mean, there's no way that some of what's happening is not the result of being unmedicated for a serious mental illness, no? I absolutely think that some of this in her visions is definitely related to that. We could discuss it now. By the end of this episode, we actually see Van is saying, actually, it's Thaisa who's the real visionary. So right. I do wonder if that is what we're seeing playing out or will see play out between these girls where little by little it turns out that there is something supernatural going on maybe Thais is the one that has some supernatural connection and Lottie is maybe a false prophet or maybe these are more than one contending force at, at work here because there are indications that blood sacrifices have led to food for them right to survival for them whether it's the starlings mm -hmm. or earlier you know obviously the <laughs> the preparation of Jackie's body for them. Honestly, I'm surprised that this didn't occur to me before, knowing that she has a serious mental illness and is off her meds. But obviously what really made it clear in this episode, and now I'm jumping ahead, is you know she goes to that doctor saying, you've got to up my right. meds because this stuff is happening and it shouldn't oh, yeah. be. Her story seems to be so much like she's bought in on this cult leader right. storyline, finding out that she's been going to the doctor every six months to make sure she renews her medication. Right. It's kind of a surprising twist for sure. Yes. Okay. So anyway, back to the plane and the hatch. I'm just curious to see what you make of that, her, you know, commuting with these, the girls in a different situation. She's suddenly an outcast again, probably the status she had back when she was just a weirdo at school. And I do also want to call out that we also get to hear this Alanis Morissette version of the mm -hmm. uh, theme music, which apparently was a big thing that went around the internet this week. I didn't realize that was Alanis Morissette. Very interesting. Given our conversation last week about taking inspiration from Lost yeah. and the hatch in Lost, I was mostly just relieved that this it is clearly <laughs> not a real hatch. <laughs> that was really my overarching emotion was like, thank God she's just losing her mind or about to <laughs> die of hypothermia. I don't know. She's browsing, she's in the food court, she finds all the girls and they're all at the other end of the table looking very happy, but they did order food for her. So, you know, they do care for her and want to take care of her. Seeing how everybody looked was interesting. And then, you know, she kind of gets 
exiled, but again, in a way of taking care of her, saying like, if you don't wake up, you're going to die. You have to get warm or you're going to die. So even there, they right, they were trying to save her in the vision and trying yeah. to think it was like a mix of skeptics and non-skeptics at that table, right? I'm trying to remember who was at the table. Natalie, Misty. Yeah, I think it was, really is like the, the main soccer team, right? Including- yeah. um, Laura Lee, including Laura Lee. Right. So it wasn't like just believers or just non-believers right. in her spiritual power. One thing that was interesting about the factions breaking out is that we only have Misty on the other side. Like of the core women we follow in the present tense, they're all on the skeptical side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except for Misty. Misty was on her side. So I'm curious to see if that dynamic means something as we go forward in the show. That is interesting, especially because Misty, it seemed in her prior life, and then certainly as an adult, is super practical. But also, you know, I'm sure she has some pretty whimsical thoughts. (laughs) We we have many more things to talk about her in this episode. (laughs) Meanwhile, while that's all happening, Natalie has found in the ice a giant white moose. So here's another interesting point. She had clearly a vision of a white moose just last week, Mm -hmm. and now she finds it trapped in the ice. It's been frozen in place. It fell through the ice and then froze in place. She runs back to the cabin and she's like, you guys have to come help me. This is going to feed us for the rest of the season. She's of course, very, very excited. Theoretically, as Mari points out, Mari's way more interested in um, proving herself the right. The rules of the game. Feeding yeah. <laughs> her food, you know, feeding herself. Uh, even Misty's practical enough to be like, I'm going to try to feed us. That's what I'm going to try to do. And, uh, and she runs out with them as well. And they needed way more bodies, by the way. You cannot, uh, on a slippery ice, you cannot counterbalance the moose's weight with just those girls. Listen, we talked last week about how huge a moose is, but yes. also they had a lot of people out on that ice. And I was really worried they were going to fall through the ice. They were going to get pulled in. Yes, yeah. good point, good point. Yeah. I mean, the moose fell through, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, I I understand why they did what they did, but I was just nervous watching it because- you know, we always hear these stories every winter in the Northeast, right? Of people who fall through the ice. Fall through and, the ice, absolutely. Yeah. Walking their dogs and stuff. All valid. I was actually worried even at the very beginning that Natalie was going to get caught in, in the even yes. before she went to get help. Agree. But to your point, if I was in their shoes, I definitely would try to pull that moose out because right. you're, they're all going to starve to death one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And then she loses the moose. It falls into the water. They cannot. So they don't have Devastating. enough Devastating. Which of course is devastating. But more interesting to me is your interpretation of this because if it was futile to pull that moose out of the ice, then why have the vision in the first place, right? Like, is is the vision taunting her? Is the vision trying to tell her, like basically saying, you're going to find this moose? And then it's really up to her whether she can pull it out of the ice or not. Like, what was the purpose of the vision of the moose last week? I mean, it's possible that it's just a coincidence, right? Maybe. It could be. Otherwise, yes, it could be a foreshadowing that there's going to be a moose. So start thinking about how you're going to get a moose. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I did feel, listen, it's a TV show. It's edited together. But I felt like maybe a little more strategy was necessary in Mm -hmm. how they were going to pull out that moose. Again, knowing how giant a moose is, I feel like maybe they needed to do a little bit more pre-planning rather than just like throwing a rope on it and pulling, Um, which I mean, could have worked, but I don't know. I just felt like it was a little bit hasty. I was thinking about the same thing, maybe overanalyzing this, but for example, you could have put the rope around the tree or something, but they don't have infinite amount of rope. I'm sure it had a limited amount. Yes. 
Well, they have less now. <laughs> exactly. So they may have had a chance to do something like that, uh, given enough resources, but you know, they might have just been trying to improvise as best they could. Yeah. I mean, they could have brought a saw and like sawed off his head or something, at least. That would give you something to eat. <laughs> to go back to your original question, I'm just not sure what the connection is. What do you think it is? I'm confused, basically, because I know I'm pretty certain she it wasn't a coincidence she had a vision of the moose for a reason. It was only when you started answering the question that I thought to myself, maybe she will get a moose. Like maybe the fact that this moose is in the water means that its mate or a family member, uh, you know, a, a smaller moose is in the area because it's lost its parent, let's say, for example. So it is a sign that there are moose out there. There's still something to eat. This wasn't the one though, right? The one that fell through the ice is not the, I guess, otherwise, what, what's the purpose of it? It's just a taunt being like, you're going to find a moose. You're going to think you got it. And then it's- Maybe it's not this today in this episode was a literal right. moose, but maybe that right. moose is not a literal moose. Maybe it's a symbol of something that she is looking for and failing to get. I, I don't know. I'm really just- Maybe. That's an interesting way to- Expounding at this point. I, I don't know. The other option is that it could be telling Natalie, when you parallel it with the present tense, that she should fight, she should stop fighting uh, her skepticism about Lottie. That could be one way to read that, because like you said, it could be that they're saying like, you're going to have that thing you think you have, and you don't have it. So, you know, eventually it's like, stop fighting and um, and give in, uh, which you could potentially map onto what happens in the present tense. We're almost mm. here at the end of the 25 years ago story because I find the psychology of the characters in the present tense uh, really fascinating. So we'll get, we'll get I agree. That. We do also see that as Mari's waiting for the girls to re return, that Mari is truly obsessed with this dripping sound. They start to investigate to see if they can find the source of it. Akila finds an adorable little mouse. Too small mm. to eat, by the way. But what has it been eating is my question. A mouse? What do you how am I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, unless you eat it yourself in desperation. Oh, well, yeah, it's too small to split up. But I, I mean, people eat crickets. You could eat a mouse. <laughs> yeah, they could eat, yes, it's possible. Yes, in the pinch, Akila may very well eat that mouse. But she's not going to share it. But I think for now, she definitely, she definitely just wants it as a pet, just something to take care of. I agree. We also see Ben is now having a non-death <laughs> flashback of his boyfriend. Happens to have found his boyfriend's dating history in like this kind of keepsake box. Ben's a little jealous. His boyfriend asks him like, what's wrong? And Ben just basically says, well, I don't have a history like you do. His uh, boyfriend tells him, well, that's okay because that's the past. I don't have that history anymore either. And we're the future. And of course, this is all kind of a moot point, I think, given the circumstances in now. So my question to you was more, what's the purpose of this scene? I mean, I don't think Ben's going to survive this, but maybe I'm wrong. Now I'm starting to think that maybe Ben did survive this. Or what, what do you think the purpose of this is? First of all, I was confused as to whether this is a continuation of his daydreaming from last week. And this was like if they moved in together and they were rearranging right. their stuff to make room for Ben's stuff and he comes across this box, or if this is something that really happened. Does it seem obvious to you that this really happened? I would say it's not obvious to me other than the, well, I mean, other than the fact it doesn't have that weird TV film tracking motif on it, that it seems to be that it is just a memory at this point. Although ironically, once again, something we need maybe talk about that they do use that motif in a completely different context in this episode, very strangely. Yeah. I don't understand the point of this because I'm pretty sure it is a memory, but then on top of that is the fact that what 
purpose does that serve? Obviously, if Ben is never going to see this guy again, or if Ben is just going to die eventually, then it would seem like why would we be giving him more flashbacks? It would make sense in last week's context where we're like, well, yeah, this is his dying memories. Yes. Right? He's delirious, <laughs> but, basically. <laughs> but now we're just going to have this like literally apropos of nothing. It does not tie into any of the plot for this in the flashback, this additional flashback. I guess I thought maybe on some level he's creating like this parallel life. He decided differently about what he was going to do, never gets on the plane. And these are the things that would have happened in that alternate version of his life. I haven't seen any indication of that, but I do think that's, but but then again, this show plays with so many different styles. It's possible. But yeah, I feel like it had the same style as last week's where he didn't get on the plane. It was the segue between the scenes that kind of the made television it thing. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, but I do take your point there. But it would be interesting if he's if they start expanding this, like he's just living in his mind palace while the girls are like getting into all infighting and stuff. And he's like, stop, stop interrupting me. I'm in my mind palace with my fictional I'm boyfriend. I'm going back to the West Village where I have a really cute apartment and exactly. we're going to Magnolia to get cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. hey, I would do the same thing if I was living like that. Right. Why not? Whatever gets you through. Exactly. And the only last thing I want to touch on in that flashback sequence is that we see Natalie has gotten back after the disappointment of not getting the moose. She's taking a warm bath. When they come in with Lottie, they found her by following her trail of blood, which I'm not sure how that would say be so pronounced in the snow, but regardless. Wouldn't it be and on top of the snow? I don't know. I feel like it would just like hit the snow and then disappear into the snow. Like, you know, it would like melt a little bit and then drop down. Mm. I don't know my blood silence in the blood science in the snow enough to, to know. Yeah, same. They did find her thanks to her bloody breadcrumb trail of <laughs> trail. <laughs> kind of nice here. Natalie shares her bath with Lottie, lets her warm herself up and they kind of come to some peace here. And I mean, Lottie theoretically could be angry that Natalie was the one who came up with the idea with the competition, but Lottie does in present tense and in the past does pretty much seem to be not some kind of psychotic power monger, but he does seem to be a compassionate person. Although importantly, we got to get to that psychiatrist's office because she does say some ominous things there. Mm -hmm. All right. In the present tense, Thaisa, all grown up, now the new senator from New Jersey. <laughs> and she is taken over again by this Holy dark side, Thaisa. We see the weird scrolling video effect as she sees the dark side Thaisa doing everything here. You think that not sleeping is going to keep me out of the driver's seat? Literally? Think again. Oh my goodness. She sees her getting into the apartment, taking a folder out. Our version of Thaisa wakes up in the car. Apparently this uh, alternate version of her can do everything except for fill up the gas tank. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Based on her map, it looks like she's only about halfway to where she was headed. And she just starts walking down the road the next 100 miles or wherever the hell she's going. I guess she doesn't really have many options at this point. And then she gets picked up by some sketchy truck driver. But no, he's not. He's a supporter. And it turns out to be the case. She does not get murdered by this guy by the end of the episode. I just have to say that Evil Thaisa is getting creepier and creepier the way they're doing this split screen thing with the two images. A credit goes to whoever is creating that because it's very, very creepy. I also give credit to the actress for playing this like very yes. like kind of demure and controlled and uptight version and then being like this very like assertive and like almost animalistic sometimes version of herself. Uh, although I have, I did almost laugh at this version of 
that Thaisa, it wasn't this like intimidating and feral version. It was very like a sort of like being like, look, we're doing this. Okay. We're going to get this folder. We're going to get in the car. It was like an angry parrot version of the, of the dark Thaisa. I liked it. Okay. Shauna. <laughs> Shauna's barely in this episode, but I have so many things to say about this. Oh, Shauna. The first time we see Shauna, she tells Jeff that the van was just found abandoned somewhere. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem to believe this what for luck. a second. <laughs> right. And then they get into a little bit of a fight. She He brings up the fact that, you know what? I was at the gym. I overheard, once again, not accurate either, overheard the police talking about how they suspect this affair is true. Of course, he actually spoke to Kevin. It's not didn't right. mention that to her. And she goes, well, if I hadn't been, wasn't being blackmailed at the time, maybe I wouldn't have been so paranoid. Touche. Touche, Sean. Mm-hmm. And then Callie shows up and she's heading out to Coles. You want to uh you want to come with me, Callie? Callie's like, nope, spending another night with my friend. Apparently, she's not been home. Shout out to Cole's cash. <laughs> That's right. I bet it was expiring. <laughs> you got it. You got to take advantage of those. <laughs> she finds out Callie's been lying about where she's spending her nights. She's not with her boyfriend. She's not with her friend. Is she with that cop? Isn't that illegal? <laughs> if, I mean, I, mean, I was wondering she... the same, and I certainly hope she's not with him. They're not saying that she went to the mall and hung out with this guy. They're saying she wasn't home all night. Right. <laughs> so Sleeping over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This gets Shauna snooping when she finds out that during her Coles trip <laughs> that she has not been staying at a friend's house. And she finds that remainder of Adam's driver's license in her drawer, along with some condoms. She seems a little surprised by the condoms. I'm pretty sure she knew that her and Kyle were having. Yeah, that seems strange to me as well. She heads out and catches up to Callie, who supposedly is on another one of these hanging out with my friends situations. And she intercepts her, drives her to the middle of nowhere where Callie calls out the fact that she doesn't even have any bars on her phone. It's very Mm -hmm. sketchy where she decides to do this. But they're out somewhere in the wetlands or something. I'm still not sure exactly where geographically they are in New Jersey, by the way. If anybody has triangulated this via Reddit board or something, let us know. It definitely has like a Maplewood-ish feel to it, is my thinking. Although, I mean, that's kind of where Thaisa lives. It looks like that because I think she's a little bit further away. Still in New Jersey, but they're still pretty far, far from each other. I see. I think. I think. Just based on how long it takes them to get from one place to the other in season one. Yeah. I mean, also, while we're talking about the setting, that parking garage for the Coles was all wrong. Yes. We all point. know yep. the Coles are located in strip malls, and it's just a giant parking lot, not a garage situation. <laughs> Maybe yeah, somewhere I mean, in New Jersey, there's a Coles with a parking structure, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, it's the one in um, Summit, the Summit Mall. That mall is like that, but I don't know if they have a Coles in there. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe. I've never seen a Coles that's not in a strip mall, but my Coles right. knowledge is not comprehensive. <laughs> yes. Once again, we'll have to go on a Reddit board to find out if they, yes. anybody located these locations. There probably is something that keeps track of I would locations. not be surprised. But it turns out this trip out to the middle of nowhere here with Callie is for her to tell her, to lay it all out on the line. Well... I know you have questions. I don't want to lie to you anymore. At first, I thought she was lying about that, that she was going to come up with some other fabulation, especially when she starts off where she starts saying like, well, I did kill him, but he was blackmailing me. Well, actually, <laughs> he wasn't blackmailing me. It was actually your dad who was blackmailing me. Like, this yeah. is pretty, she's unloading a lot of stuff. Real <laughs> slippery slope. And I mean, what did you think about this decision to tell Callie? I think it was a terrible idea. I agree. Yeah, I don't care if it bonds you together or not. I mean, teenagers are notoriously difficult. Like, it's okay. If you all aren't getting along, you don't tell your teenager that you're a murderer. 
Yeah. And the very next scene where we see Shauna again, she's with Jeff and it starts off with like a very nice mutual apology. It seems like it's going in a good direction. And then she says, well, I got something to tell you. I told Callie everything. And it's great because now we're all on the same page. And I'm, that was my next question I had for you, which side you would take. Cause I was on Jeff's sides being like, it's our job as parents mm-hmm. uh, not to lie to our kids. That's not always great either. If they were going to come clean about all of this, then yeah, right. tell your kids. So it's not surprising to them. But if you're going to be living this lie, don't drag the kid in on it. Like he brought up, she's now an accomplice to this crime. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she walks in all happy. But I think this is all BS on her part, her performance here, cutting the vegetables. What do you think is happening here? Yeah, I wondered about that too. It seemed a little bit too enthusiastic, especially for a girl who has been holding grudges against her parents before she knew there was something to really hold a grudge against, right? Um, It does seem a little bit too easy to say like, oh, now we have no secrets between us and we're, you know, a nice big happy family, well, small happy family. It doesn't quite add up. And also when you consider when she did confront her with this information, her look when she looks away from her mother and she's telling her everything's okay, that receiving this information is okay, she looks completely traumatized in Mm -hmm. hearing this. So she does not seem okay with it. So I don't think that all of a sudden, an hour later, while prepping dinner, she's already okay with everything. Processed it, yes. (laughs) Well, I do think she processed it, and now this is jumping way ahead, that she tells this cop friend of hers about it because- she in the coming attractions mentions that remember when I said I didn't tell anybody <laughs> and they just leave it like true, that. But if true. I had to guess that she confided in someone, I don't think it's one of her girlfriends who know her mom. It's going to be this rando guy who maybe she's been hanging out with, maybe been hooking up with, but also probably feels like, well, this guy doesn't know my family. He only knows my fake identity, which of course none of that is true, but that's her understanding at that moment. Teenagers again are not necessarily the brightest. But I feel like that would be a very stupid thing to do, even for a teenager, considering they live in (laughs) small town, New Jersey, right? (laughs) Right. This isn't Manhattan, Um, but anything is possible. We'll see. Now let's jump over to Natalie and Lottie. We see Lottie is heading out somewhere. Natalie's still wearing her black and white cover. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's worse than I thought. It's like it's short (laughs) in the front, but long in the back. It's very strange, yes. Which does explain my confusion and that I thought it was a blouse until last week. And then this (laughs) week, when I really understood the true dimensions of the garment, I was even more confused than I had been. I honestly had not even noticed the fact that she's been wearing the same thing for multiple episodes until you brought it up during our recap last week. And now it's like I saw her show up today and I'm like, there she is again. Same cover up. So now now I can't not see it. Basically, Yeah. I mean, I I wish you would put on some of those purple clothes just for a change of pace. Yeah. She says she needs Lottie's keys. Lottie says she's heading to the bank. That's why she's dressed up for the town. She goes, why do you need the keys? Well, because I'm helping out Lisa. And I think we need some bonding time after I stabbed her in the face. Mm. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure she's just trying to get her hands on those keys. And I was thinking that was going to pay off this week. But now I'm pretty certain, I mean, based on the final moments here, and you see her playing with the keys in her hand, that Mm. that probably is not going to happen until next week. And once again, jumping ahead, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen next week. But Lisa and Natalie do head out on this trip to the market to sell their honey. I like this conversation they have between themselves where Mm -hmm. even last week, it felt like Natalie, as skeptical as she is, it's like all this refuting of what's happening is because somewhere deep down inside, she hopes, if not thinks, that it might work. And she ends up 
discovering that Lisa is a lot more like her than she originally mm -hmm. anticipated. She starts confronting her saying, well, you know, you have all these rules you have to follow. And Lisa says, no, we don't. We don't have to follow them if we don't want to. And Natalie makes a good point. Why do you have to have a, a rule that you don't have to follow any of the rules if there's an assumption <laughs> that you have to follow the rules? I like the answer about you all have to wear the same clothes. Why? And Lisa goes, well, you know, if you're not wealthy, this just kind of removes some of those class signals, which is a good point. It's why everybody I mean, wears the same uniform at school, right? I was about yeah. to say also the argument for school uniforms. Yes. Right. Lisa mentions to Natalie that she also was a skeptic. Natalie asks her what changed, and she says, I did. And they both have this little smile on their face, and it's like a, kind of a little mirroring there. So you do see that they do have an actual affection for each other developing here. Yeah, all of this was really nice. I thought the development of their relationship over this episode was really nice. I agree. One of the rules they don't have to comply with, but are supposed to comply with, is that they don't see their families because they need to have their anchors back at the compound, not out in the world. But they decide, since she's there without her usual companion, to head out to see her mom. And her and fish. Something... And her fish. Well, the, well, maybe not the original fish, but what The else? 14th version of the fish, version. I'm assuming. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Gilly the 14th. Something that was hinted at in the very first episode of the season, or maybe the second one, where we met adult Lottie for the first time, I had forgotten that she apparently was in mental health crisis and was probably in an institution. And in that flashback, we see that that is actually how initially, or maybe even exclusively, Lottie has created this comp community of people with people who basically were institutionalized. And I kind of forgot about that until we see the mom being very skeptical that this time it's going to work, that she's not going to be suicidal again. Mm -hmm. And you see, of course, Natalie, who's also struggled with a lot of these things, immediately jumping to her defense, but more importantly, defending not necessarily Lottie, but having a very healthy, I think, mental attitude of, well, if it works for her, like yes. what business, business is it of yours? Which, you know, could be what Natalie's coming around to for the whole yes, purple exactly. people situation. <laughs> right, exactly. Purple people eaters, by the way. Remember that? The one-eyed, one-horse. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's not intentional. I don't know if that's not, not intentional. These these purple people eaters, they, they might be eaters by the end of the day. <laughs> People eaters, yes. <laughs> do they? But that question is, do they get eaten? The eaters or the ETs. As you mentioned, she's there for Gilly. Very important for her to take this goldfish. Her mom just says, you're just going to kill it anyway. Natalie absconds with it by sucking it up into her mouth and putting it into a glass of water inside the car. I feel like there had to be another way, but there was a good payoff to the joke, I feel, with the faces she was making once she spit out the fish. <laughs> yes. Natalie seems pretty nonplussed by this. But then again, if you correlate her to the Natalie we see in the past, she's not a very squeamish mm. person. So I actually expected her to walk in with like a plastic bag with the fish. <laughs> I did not expect. I guess she didn't have yeah. one handy. So that's what happened. I, I just feel like there was another way, but it's okay. <laughs> she got the job done. <laughs> exactly. They end the night. They never make it to the market, although I guess they will be there the next day. And they go to a bar. And Lisa says, you know what? I was there. I was there the day you almost killed yourself. And Natalie decides to not take that drink. Too. Mm -hmm. So she's not going to break her sobriety. Meanwhile, Lottie, of course, has been on a parallel journey here. She went into town to see her usual psychiatrist, who is not there, by the way, which I think is indicative of something. They're seeding something here because we've never met the psychiatrist. They didn't have to explain that this is a different psychiatrist. So there's something in the fact that this is not her usual psychiatrist. And she needs to up her medication, like you mentioned earlier. And this psychiatrist says, well, maybe... These visions are coming out and it's trying to tell you something. 
And I do think this is a theme here in this particular episode, if not in the show in general, that repressing this past for all of them is forcing these things to the surface. I think very much so in the case of Thaisa, the more she tries to fight it, the more it like it takes control of her literally. And mm-hmm. I think something like that is happening to Lottie here as well. What piqued my interest the most, I think, was that idea of is something going on with the regular therapist, although she is yeah. there mm-hmm. unexpectedly early on right. the other side of the argument. It's possible that the guy took vacation and told all his clients that he'd expect to be there, that he'd be on right. vacation. And yeah, I thought it was interesting that therapist's reaction of like, yes, I have the capability to up your medication, but I will be the decision maker on whether we're going to up your medication or not. Yeah, I think you've said something there that clarified it for me. Also, I was originally thinking like, oh, is this like someone who's there to mess with her medication to bring out the visions? I was thinking too conspiratorially, but I think you make a really good point. This isn't her usual psychiatrist who has this history with her and would just up her meds. Since this is like a new set of eyes, she's like saying like, let's explore that, right? Because maybe it wouldn't Mm, make sense if you've been talking to someone for 25 years to be like, oh yes, like this is a new occurrence. It's not new to him. He's been talking to her for 20 years. Right. So maybe maybe. it might just be a way for them to not up her dosage so that she has the visions. Felt like her reaction to the visions wasn't, yeah, there's something here they're trying to tell me and I don't want to hear it. I think her reaction to the visions was just like, no, it's just a vision and I need it to go away. Well, no, she said something more than that, right? Because she says that these visions need to stop because the last time this happened, oh, that's it wasn't true. just visions, right? Yes, that's true. I forgot about that. We'll see it by the end of the episode. She ends up cutting her hand again, something that happens multiple times in this very episode, bleeds out on this um, worship area right. back at the compound, and she speaks to whatever the powers that be are, please let this be enough. So- Right. This indicates to me that last time when things really got out of hand, there was a lot more blood that was shed than this. And uh, she's trying to hope that she's in a very healthy place now. She's got things under control. She's, you know, a spiritual leader for these people. She really does honestly believe that these people are getting better. And she's like, this is going to spiral out of control like it did 25 years ago. And they could be purple people eaters going. (laughs) (laughs) That could be part of their practice. Could be. And then it surges with a zombie movie, and then you're out. <laughs> That's the last straw for me. Exactly. Then you quit. The one thing I did want to mention here is while she's spending the night in town, in that hotel, she is reviewing some post-it notes that people leave, probably like anonymous notes they leave for her. And she's smiling and taking it in. And then she sees, once again, another thing we see in the trailer, a queen from a deck with the eyes blacked out. And then she closes her eyes. It's just an, a, a post-it note. But then she flips through it again. And then she sees another one or basically the same one in a second time. Mm-hmm. So now she's having this vision once again of this card, which we not only see this particular shot in the trailer, we also see it, another shot where the card's actually being burned. I'm pretty sure that's in the past. There is something significant about that card. And maybe whatever happened with that card was part of that bloodletting that she's worried about mm-hmm. or that her vision might signify. Okay. Another pair to talk about. Misty and Walter heading out on this road trip. Walter has his cassettes, still uses cassettes. Now, at first, I thought this story he's coming up with is BS. Misty saying, come on, you know what I am. I'm one of the Yellow Jackets. You're stalking me. It's not the first time this has happened. And he says, no, I think that's the least interesting thing about you. I don't believe this. But I am starting to believe more and more that most of what he says is true. Because so much of this seems to be just like fan fiction (laughs) within Misty's mind. We see this really 
great sequence towards the end where they get to the hotel. First, he says, oh, we'll get one hotel room. She says no to, which is okay. <laughs> but it does give us an opportunity by them not hooking up right away to see their nighttime rituals where it's like, it's identical. They, Parallel, they put their yes. remote controls into, you know, uh, plastic bags. And then he uses a blue light behind the <laughs> bed. She just goes back there and looks. I'm not sure what they're looking for there. Maybe for any suspicious cables because they do suspect that they might be wired <laughs> <laughs> because they dismantle the phone and look for a wire in the receiver. And they also look in the light bulbs, which is so funny because I have to assume that that technology is so much more advanced, but that literally is what you know you would see in like the movies in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. <laughs> but if you suspect that you're at an Airbnb or at a hotel that might have some wireless device that might be recording, you can actually buy a device that will locate them. So just a little piece of information for anybody <laughs> who's paranoid when they travel. <laughs> All right, I don't want to disparage Andrew Lloyd Webber, who just tragically lost his son to gastric cancer just last month. But in the car, I don't like musicals. <laughs> Missy loves Me music. either. And they start playing a piece of music from Evita, which sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> Although I do like Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. I think it's a very good song. But this song sounds absolutely terrible. But more importantly is... Misty brings up this whole thing about like, oh, come on, the Cinderella story, but they're all trains, which reminded me for the first time since the 80s, probably, that Andrew Lloyd Webber, after Cats, which is also a really stupid concept for mm -hmm. musical, did a musical, which was like one of the biggest financial disasters of all times called Starlight Express, where these yes. people were just as trains. It was like the Spider-Man musical of its day and lost a fortune. <laughs> this guy's gotten, he's dodged so many bullets. <laughs> and he's one of the most rich, he's like one of the richest people in the world. Well, he also did Phantom of the Opera, right? Am Which I is closing correctly? down like in a couple of weeks. Yes, you're right. Win some, lose some. <laughs> That's true. Another phenomenon. That's been like setting records every single week as it's approaching its closures. And by the way, the train thing sounds ridiculous, but Cats was like the longest running musical of all times at one point, right? And that was about what, Cats singing in a junkyard? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So yes, that's why I don't really like musicals. This is the stereotype of musicals, <laughs> by the way. Like they also talk about like Sweeney Todd, which I do like, by the way. But uh, you know, my impressions of most musicals, I always imagine the Andrew Lloyd Webber version of musicals, which makes me wary to ever explore that. But, Same. But anyway, if someone started playing that Argentina song for me, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> Eject. Next. Eject. Do you think that he's all on the up and up? That very much was parallel nighttime where they're kind of like almost looking at each other. Very rom-com, by the way. Mm -hmm. You're definitely going to see them, you know, have a romantic liaison at some point. Did you buy everything he was saying? He's a millionaire from this class action lawsuit. And, or I guess not a class, I guess it's a civil suit, right? It sounds crazy, but it also is so verifiable that I right. think it must true. be true because it would be right. so easily disproven. I mean, he was saying, I have the YouTube clip on my phone. Do you want to see it? So um, it's something that would be very easy to prove false. So for that reason, right. I think it must be true. Yeah. I do like the fact that when they're first at the diner, he's like being overly suspicious. Like, how yes. are we going to get them to ask this question, mm -hmm. to ask about these people, but we don't want to like let them know that we're pursuing them and like mm -hmm. he's overthinking it. And she's just like, are there some crazy people yep. around here? And the just lady's like, yeah, right, right up the road. <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. All right. Yeah. In the final moments of the episode, we see in the past, Ty and Van have been looking for that final symbol. They find this warm spot. They find Javi, of course. He's completely nonverbal. He was kind of nonverbal before, too. He's kind of traumatized by his dad's 
loss. He has not gotten over that. Apparently, he's still not speaking. So we may not be able to get from him exactly what he's been up to these past few months. Right. And it is interesting at this moment to see how Mari says that Lottie is the one who said he was still alive. So right. she's the visionary. And then Van goes, oh, yeah, well, Thaisa is the one who found him in the woods and found the right. wrong spot. And all of a sudden, for the first time, I never thought about it. Like, maybe Thaisa is going to turn out to be the antler queen, because we don't know who's under that um, mask yet. Or maybe there'll be some kind of competition here in, in the end between these two factions. I hadn't expected that. But now I started to think that there is definitely going to be some kind of animosity, some kind of factions mm. that built up. And maybe that's why not all these girls made it back home beyond the cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We also see Lottie cuts herself to uh, make an offering. Can this be enough? She asks. And Natalie, we also, as I mentioned earlier, has the keys in her hands. And that's mm-hmm. the real reason she asked to go to the market in the first place. And she's going to do some investigating in the next episode, I'm pretty sure. And of course, at the very end, we see Van, adult Van. She, played by Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under, another teen star that cast here. She's a super hipster here. She <laughs> runs a store called While You Were Streaming, <laughs> where they rent VHS tapes. I didn't pick up on that. So interesting. Did you catch that? Sorry, I, I did notice she... that okay. Footloose and Trainspotting were on the yes. marquee behind her. I did pick yeah. that up. And Mean Girls. So I guess, you know, that's still 2000. So I guess VHS lasted for quite some time. But I love when she has that little interaction with the customer as she hands her the cassette saying, I hope you get the VCR working. (laughs) Tell me how it all turns out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem, right? What if it eats your cassette? What does she have to rent next time, right? You have to have some serious insurance on on those VHSs. Although I'm sure you could probably find them out in the wild and pretty cheap considering no one has VHS machines anymore. And yet another girl who is trapped in her past, symbolically here, still pining for this era that she missed out on. And that's where we leave it. I actually thought we were definitely going to see her this episode. I thought she'd be a big part of it. But no, they just bring her here at the very end. But given that it's Lauren Ambrose, I'm sure we'll see a lot of her in the remainder of the season. Absolutely. Okay, I'm not going to spoil this because I don't know if people want to be spoiled on it. But something you brought up last week, Sona, that there are more women from the past that are going to turn up in the present. And I wasn't aware of the specific people. However, today I was looking for some of the actresses' names just to prepare for Mm -hmm. this. And I pulled up the IMDb app and I went through the cast list. And when you go through the cast list, if someone only exists in the present tense, they just show their name. If someone only exists in the past, they just show their name. When they exist in both cases, they Uh, say teen, Thaisa, and and Thaisa, right? And there are some girls in the past that are just like the person's name. And some of the girls are like teen, blah, blah, blah. I won't mm-hmm. spoil it. Interesting. So anyone who wants to speculate on what that might mean, go to the IMDb page for this specific episode and just scroll through there. I won't spoil it for you here. But all that is to say that some of these characters that I pretty much assumed were going to die in the past, I'm now starting to, starting to think that they are going to turn up later right. in the show. So that'll be interesting to see. Other scenes, we, uh, things we do see in the scenes, Lottie is saying, there's some new life coming. I can't wait to, to meet him. I'm pretty sure this is not like some devil force, although there's a lot of hinting at that. I think she's talking about the baby that's coming. Agree. Because she keeps saying the baby is a him. Agree. And that's about it. Uh, next week will be the middle of the season. So how do you feel, Sona, at this point, we're approaching the middle of the season or what it's setting up? I was not so super on board with it, as I mentioned, for the first few episodes. Yeah. 
but I really enjoyed this one. And I feel like this is more the direction I want the show to be going in of seeing uh, more of these present day conflicts. And I mean, I am still interested in the past, but I just feel like there was so much buildup to the cannibalism and then the fallout from the cannibalism. And maybe there's more cannibalism ahead. I don't know, but (laughs) I'm enjoying this lull in the cannibalism. I also like what they're setting up in the past. I agree, first of all, with all the things you just said. And I also like that there's this tension brewing in the past between whether people believe, people don't believe, whether there even be like multiple leaders potentially offered up over the course of the remainder of the show. What I had kind of mentioned last week, now that we kind of set the table, in the, in the pun intended, in the, the situation from the past, that they could almost jump to like 1998. Mm-hmm. But now I'm all thinking to myself, well, if there's going to be these girls breaking into factions and how they're trying to leverage their friendships at school or how those things have fallen apart, given this new circumstance, that I find very interesting. It's just the actual who's going to get eaten next. I don't mind that, actually. (laughs) I don't actually mind that. I just don't want that to be the entirety of the show as who gets eaten next. What other actresses are we going to see adult versions of? Like That's not enough to sustain my interest in the show. But um, seeing that breakdown where these factions have to, they work against each other, then they have to come together again. That dynamic, I think, is very interesting. And uh, you know, I'm sure it'll play out in parallel in the present as well. So that that's all good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, based on the end of this episode, it, I mean, it seems like Natalie, at least adult Natalie, has the capability to say and perspective to say, I might not agree with this, but it's working for you. So why should I argue exactly. about it with you? And I mean, teen Natalie could take that same approach, right? It, it's a lot less tension between the girls if that happens, but it might just be like, you know, whatever gets you through the day in this really awful situation, we're all just trying to survive. But as you're saying, there's a lot more story to be mined from the idea of there being two opposing sides. Yeah. So before we wrap up today, did you have is there anything you've been watching that you wanted to recommend or discuss? Um, you know, I'm continuing to watch the Big Door Prize show that you recommended okay. to me and mm-hmm. really enjoying it. That's been the main thing I've been watching. I will say I did check out a couple of episodes of Beef. You had such a strong recommendation, but I also have been just hearing a lot of good things about it. You know, I watched two episodes. I am not totally on board, but I will probably give it another shot. Okay. Someone else followed that recommendation, by the way, and they also were not into it. (laughs) So (laughs) they found it too stressful. They said they found it too stressful. (laughs) It definitely is stressful, (laughs) but I, I, uh, I did enjoy it. A lot, actually. I mentioned it again when I was uh, previewing Barry, that I think if you're a fan of Barry, that audience would be a really good dovetail with Beef, because it has the same kind of tone where it kind of slips into the surreal sometimes. It's very darkly comic, but it has a humaneness to its views on each one of those characters. So I do think if you are a Barry fan, then you may very well be a good audience for Beef. Last thing I would say is I'm very happy to see, I, I honestly thought when I watched this that this is going to be one of those shows that comes and goes on Netflix and people really don't watch it, even if it gets good reviews. It's actually become a big hit on Netflix. So I am happy that people are watching it. So I think your mileage will vary, definitely. Um, for me, it's very much my cup of tea. I was a little wary of you, especially later. It gets a little surreal. And I know you don't really love that. So, mm-hmm. But I think that maybe when you get to like episode four, I'd say if you keep going through it, there's a couple of really heartbreaking moments when you start getting think that the premise of the show is wearing on you, it kind of changes its tone 
mm-hmm. and then it goes a little weird at the end and maybe that's when it loses you again but uh, <laughs> but i'm curious to see if you keep going through it i'm curious to see your <laughs> experience of it another thing i would recommend to you by the way and i've already mentioned it briefly in a previous conversation but I want to call that out again because this is a show that nobody is watching, and I do think people should watch it. It is very low key. It stars Catherine Hahn, and it's called Tiny Beautiful Things. Yes, I've wanted to check that out. And uh, I finished it. I started watching it right when it came out, like two weeks ago. And I just finished the last three episodes of it uh, last night, actually. And it's a little messy. I tend to think about how a show is like constructed and the decisions they make in the plot. I know most people don't watch shows this way. It's how I watch shows. And some of that stuff makes me bristle, but especially because Catherine Hahn is just so incredible in this role. The emotions of the show, even when it's clunky, even when some of the stuff is awkward, the emotions of the show all work. And that's not just the the sad moments like Celia was talking about in one of our conversations, how it makes her cry every single episode. I did not have that experience. This show did not make me cry. <laughs> and I will cry sometimes during a show, but not this one. There are some very deep things it deals with. And there are some revelations the characters come to. And I think it's really, really strong, especially at the end. It has a really, really strong ending. Anyway, I highly recommend that one. Uh, People should check that out. If um, you liked Wild, for example, definitely check it out. It's in a very different tone from Wild, but it does do some of the same things. And by the way, unlike Beef, which I'm very happy to see that people have caught on to it, this show's not doing well. So anything I could do to get people (laughs) to watch it, it's, it's very good. Which is all available at once, by the way. You do not have to wait for it. Love that. Oh, and they're all like half hour episodes. So once again, you'll probably knock it out if you have a whole weekend to yourself. Or if you don't, you know, 30 minutes per night, you knock the whole (laughs) eight eight episodes in one week. You can pretty much do the whole thing. Mm. All right. Thank you again for the conversation. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.